Welcome to awakening. Allow yourself to settle and arrive. We will begin shortly. Take this few minutes to enter a small yet quick silent meditation. Allow yourself to do a short body scan to arrive, to see where you are if you're here in the present moment. Welcome, welcome to Awakening Torah Musar Mindfulness. We will begin shortly. Allow yourself to settle and arrive if you've just joined us. Take a minute to do a short meditation, perhaps a body scan, just to settle and arrive. We will begin shortly. Wonderful. We've hit the 10 p.m. Israel time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, wherever you are joining us throughout the world, whether you're in the Southern Hemisphere or the Northern, whether you are celebrating summer or in the midst of the winter rains and the cold, welcome. I am Rabbi Chassi Uriel Steinbauer, founder and director of Mahon Kudusha, the Institute for Holiness, Kihilat Musar. You are joining us for Awakening, Torah Musar Mindfulness, where we look at the Torah portion from yesterday on the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, Shabbat, that just passed, which was Vayera. And we look at it through the lens of Musar Mindfulness, of what we can learn from our ancestors, from their own midot, from their own spiritual curriculum, how we apply that to our practice today of Musar mindfulness. I am so grateful that you've joined us. We always begin with our kavanot, with our intentions for today's practice. So give me one minute here as we admit someone who would like to join live on Zoom. And welcome. 
So our covenant as I begin to share screen with you. We are also live streaming on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. I ask that anyone joining live on Zoom, please mute themselves. Thank you. And before us is the, are the covenant, the intentions for today's practice. The first one is before doing acts of caring for the self, because this practice that we are doing today together on every Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is an act of radical self-care. And so we say this together, if you're following along, this is something I am doing to strengthen my own soul in order to be of benefit to others in the future. And then we skip down to the third one because this, what we're doing right now with our practice is also to strengthen our relationship with the divine. So we say together, and those of you listening on audio can hear, this is something I am doing to strengthen my relationship with the creator so that I can be a better conduit of God's good to others when they need me. So obviously with our breath and allowing this to be felt in the body, we allow these intentions, these kavanot to settle with us, to arrive and to enter our study together. So you may recall that we entered the book of Shemot known as Exodus in English. We entered that uh, not this past Shabbat, but the, the previous one. And uh, some of the key features that we noticed, just as a short uh, reminder to allow us to enter Vayera, is that we saw this kind of simultaneous birth of the vigilante, who has this uh, internal moral compass, this, this will that we called fear of God, that we saw in the text with the midwives of Shira and Pu'ah, that, uh, that drove them to have this moral compass to know what they should do and what they should refrain from doing. And uh, at the same time, we saw the birth of a nation state that was engaged in acts of in infanticide leading towards genocide, beginning to enslave the people. And so you have these, these impulses coming through the universe and, and landing before us with individuals simultaneously trying to maintain this integrity and this morality and the nation state that is pushing against that. And so we have also this kind of simultaneous birth of a new relationship with God, with the uh, human beings, with our ancestors. And uh, in particular, with that merging relationship will eventually be a rule of law that will come with it, what we call Torah. Um, and that begins to unfold over time. So you, you'll recall that we emphasize the, the shoresh, the root, yud, dalid, ayin, that God knew, yada, and Moshe, Robenu, known as Moses in English, also knew eh, and saw. There was a lot of seeing, there was a lot of hearing, very embodied experiential experience of eh, encountering the other so that there was Rachamanut, this compassion that was emerging that tied into responsibility as a Mida and also as a soul trait and also uh, of Zerizut, alacrity and energy to act out with that compass. 
So this seeing, this hearing, this remembering, they were all tied together that propelled people to act, uh, to care for the other, to bear the burden. And so we saw this uh, with Moshe on this small individual le level. When he saw his brethren being beaten by Egyptian, he acted and murdered the Egyptian. Then he acted later when the shepherdesses were being harassed by the other male shepherds that he intervened there. So we're seeing Moshe develop his own spiritual curriculum that he will be pushed to expand his window of tolerance. So he obviously has this moral push, this drive, you know, this choleric sense of, you know, it's will that he is to do what's right and just. He obviously is, has extreme distaste for um, injustice. He must act. Um, but that's through little individual acts. And now he's being pushed to care for a whole um, a whole people. And that makes him deeply uncomfortable. That is not where he feels strong in his spiritual curriculum, where he feels balanced. And so uh, this fear emerges that we saw, we saw like a sense of low self-worth. I'm not able to do this. I'm not the person. I have kaved pe, kaved lashon, heavy mouth, heavy tongue. Uh, you know, expressing just, I don't have the self-esteem to do this. I might even live with a disability. I can't, I'm not your person. And so we witnessed this in Shemot and the whole dialogue between God and him. So one of the things that emerged for us that we'll want to take into today's practice as we move into Vayera is the question of what strengthens us? What it balances our humility that leads us to courage? So we saw with Moshe, it wasn't God telling him that God will be with him. It wasn't giving him miracles before him, turning the stick into a snake. It wasn't telling him that God provides all words and hearing to everyone. It wasn't until God provided Aharon, his brother, three years older, that familial, that support of another human being that suddenly Moshe thought, I, I can do this. I'm going to act now. I can be the Hineni. I can arrive and be of service. So we want to think about in our own spiritual curriculum, what is it that strengthens us? Perhaps it is our relationship with the divine. Perhaps it is the miracles that we might witness on a daily basis or periodically. For some of us, it is that human relationship that Vad, that kahila, the community, that sangha, that strengthens us, that we take refuge in. So that'll be a part of what we carry with us uh, today when we're analyzing this parsha. So finally, I want to say we witnessed at the beginning of Shemot of Exodus, a real coming together of all the midot that we witnessed our ancestors go through, all the soul traits all their characteristics that they had to develop and work through in Bereshit and Genesis. And we see it coming together in this beautiful balance and uh, right before everyone of this is where, where we are, where our spiritual curriculum is. So in seeing ourselves in the other, relieving suffering, having courage, following through with Zerizut, having responsibility, all this is there. So we move into Vayera. The first paro that we met in Shemot, 
לא ידע את יוסף, he did not know יוסף. So he therefore doesn't know all of the Israelites, he doesn't know יוסף's uh, people. And then he begins his negative policies towards them, his public policy, he feels deeply uncomfortable by their population growth, threatened by it. So then we move to a new paro. And the, the thing that you should know, this is common even today in new leadership. It's common, for instance, with the president of the United States, that when a new one emerges, or even when one's about to leave office, they will pardon people or appoint people to new positions. That's part of the emergence of new leadership. And this is the same thing with the office of paro in Egypt at the time. When a new one would arise, they often would let certain people go from their indentured servitude or slavery and things of that sort. So you can see that B'nai Israel, the, the Hebrews, the Jewish people, might have had that same desire and something that they were looking forward to. Oh, a new paro, one that didn't know Yosef, but now uh, this one might let us go and stop having us be indentured servants. That's not the case. So um, this next paro also lo yada. He does not know. And this time, who lo yada et Adonai. He does not know God. And we know from the previous parsha, when somebody doesn't know God, and we know what that yada means, there's an intimacy there. There's a knowing in the sense that I am responsible for you on some level. I'm bearing the burden for you. I carry this as an obligation in our relationship. Um, when there's not that knowing, there's no fear of God in the sense of morality and that moral compass. And therefore, uh, in the sense, it's kind of a recipe for dictatorship and disaster, someone who's going to commit unbelievable, um, often genocide or problems of that um, level uh, when we witness this. So he doesn't know God, there's no compassion. Uh, so we witness more brutality, the sense of... Uh, now he assigns, he says, you, um, the Israelites must uh, get their own straw. It's not going to be provided for them, but they must still fulfill the same quota. So um, this just adds on a whole nother layer of suffering and burden. And finally, what you witness is we head into Vayera, is Moshe begins to argue. Moshe begins to expand his toolkit and his skills. And he says, why are you having me do this? If they're just going to be punished more and hurt more, uh, th this shouldn't be happening. And we, and we ended Shemot with God saying, well, now you will see. It's almost as if <clears throat> Moshe is being put through certain uh, curriculum, certain experiences to expand his skill set, to learn to use his speech in new ways um, in his growth. So we open with Vayera at chapter six, Pesukim two through five, verses two through five, where God says, I am God. Uh, I had made a covenant with your ancestors and I hear and I heard the groaning of the Israelites, okay? In a sense, I zaharti, I remembered. And there is compassion and responsibility being reflected. And um, we immediately wish, witness that pushback of Moshe, which there will be this dance. Anyone's um, growing in their spiritual curriculum, 
there's often that saying, it's a Batui, and Anglit, a, a saying in Anglit, two steps forward, one step back. This is the same with Moshe, um, the training of him we see in chapter 6, 12, where he says the Israelites won't listen. They won't listen. And so um, he goes on to say then, if they won't listen, Paro won't listen, the Pharaoh won't listen. And um, he even goes on to describe his lips as uncircumcised, this kind of metaphor for that which has an impediment, something in its way. We often talk about the heart either being circumcised or not being circumcised. Uh, you know, is there an obstacle to acting in a balanced way with wise discernment? So, um, Again, God this time has a new way of responding, kind of ignores Moshe's complaint in this sense and says, oh, here, and he addresses Aharon immediately, Aharon and Moshe, they're, they're there as a team in order to strengthen Moshe. And um, he essentially tells him, I will make you like a God and Aharon will be your prophet who, who will speak. Um, the key thing to notice about their behavior is that, and this you see especially in chapter 7, uh, verse 20, is that Moshe and Aharon do exactly as God commands. So there's no deviation. There's no bringing in their own mix of what should be done and how it should be done. We'll want to keep this in mind when the Kohanim, Aharon and his sons begin to be trained later because this behavior and this mm, commandment, the sense of God expecting to follow exactly as God directs will come to have consequences for the Kohanim, the priests later. Um, so I want to point out two things from you that we learned from the Jewish Publication Society from and the wonderful uh, professor uh, Sarna, may his memory be for a blessing. So he points out to us on page 31 that in ancient Near Eastern world, names in general, and particularly in the name of a god, it possessed a dynamic quality and were expressive of character, of midot, of attributes, and potency. The names of gods were immediately identified with their nature, status, function. Meaning I, when Hashem says, I, do, I did not make myself known to them by the name of yod heh vav um, is to state that the patriarchs didn't experience the essential power associated with that name. And why didn't they? Because, and this is my theory, I posit towards you, we're witnessing God also expanding the kind of, uh, I wouldn't call it a window of tolerance, but a whole new way of relating from that with individuals, Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, of course, their spouses and children. That's very different relationship and a different way of needing to identify yourself as a God and which we don't uh, are shown and modeled. Um, then coming with a certain power and the need for a whole arm, a whole nation. So God too will have to stretch and grow and change in how God is in relationship with the human beings because it's a very different relationship to go from 
speaking to one man and his spouse as they move and leave his father's home and land and uh, the place that he was born to a new land, to addressing a whole nation that is enslaved. It's very different uh, qualities and power that is needed. The same as we witness that Moshe will have to move from someone that only dealt with individual acts of justice to caring a people. So uh, he goes on to say, the promises made to them belong to the distant future. And the present reiteration of those promises exclusively in the name Yodhevave means that their fulfillment is intimate. So um, we then witness one other thing I want to touch on today that we will bring to our practice as we actually sit together, which is um, there are seven makot, plagues, that are addressed here. And um, the final one um, comes in chapter nine, and it runs through the verses 13 through 21. And it is the, um, the plague, the Makkah of Barad of hail. And what is significant about this is actually what happens before the actual plague comes. And that is um, God tells Moshe and Aharon to warn Paro and his officers and the Egyptian people of what is coming, and in particular that they should take in anything that's outside, any animals, any humans, anything that they don't want killed or destroyed. And this is a righteous act. This is an act of compassion. We see this today in modern armies from time to time. Uh, and this may be an odd example because you're thinking what suffering is caused by war, but for an army or even here in our God to warn the population ahead of time, it's seen as uh, full of integrity. It's a, it's, it's, it has a moral standing. Um, and uh, we really um, witness a shift in this moment because it's the first time that Paro admits that he was at fault for how he behaved beforehand. And he calls God righteous. He recognizes God. And suddenly, who yada? He knows God on a certain level now. And he knows God. You may say it's like the, the culmination of the other makot beforehand. There's a certain knowing of God there perhaps knowing of a God's power. Um, but this is a different knowing. This is a knowing that I know a certain righteous quality to you. I recognize a certain compassion in you. And uh, that's, it's quite beautiful. Uh, and, um, you know, it's short lived, of course. <laughs> of course, it changes, but we want to carry this with us. Um, the thing I want to point out about that is, the dominant motif in these plagues is essentially um, to, it's both the Israelites and the Egyptians must know Yudhevave, must know Adonai, must know Hashem, God. And the coming to know them is going to be different for different people or different experiences. 
but both are known through either witnessing the plagues or experiencing directly through an embodied felt sense. Um, and this is, this is really, um, this is where we, where we really witness a, a new form of knowing with this final, this final plague here. So I want you to carry that in mind. And as we move through into our practice, again, um, be mindful of what strengthens you. What leads to you to a balanced humility that leads to your courage. And with that, we're going to move into our guided seated meditation with God willing, some time for silent meditation also. So as I say before we begin every session, if you are someone who lives with chronic pain or you're just having a high level of discomfort today, please do stand for this meditation or lie down, but with your eyes open so you remain awake and alert. If you are someone that is dealing actively with trauma right now, and you are not sure of your window of tolerance. Be kind to yourself, practice self-compassion, perhaps listen with your eyes open. Be sure to look around the room and keep your feet on the ground so you remain rooted so that you're in the here and now and always come back to the felt sense and your breath if you're able or my voice. For the rest of us, please come to an upright seated position Sit as if you are created in the image of God because you are. And take three deep cleansing breaths. And allow yourself to settle and arrive fully. There's nothing like the breath to really Root us and bring us to the present moment. Allow your hands to rest in your lap or on your heart. This is truly a mindfulness practice of being awake to the present moment, whatever is here for us now. Breathing in awareness, breathing out compassion. Allow yourself to witness if you have any strong emotions that are pulling you away, want your attention right now. Notice if you have any thoughts of the past or any planning thoughts for the future. Simply note them, honor them and bring yourself back to the present moment. For some of us, it will be sensations in the body that will pull us away. When you wake up to that, simply bring yourself back to your breath. Whatever your chosen anchor is. From time to time, you will notice that I will go silent. 
you can trust if you are a beginner to meditation that I will speak again. These moments of silence allow you to move into reflection of what is here for you right now. Begin to recognize what is your felt experience right now? There's no need to push any experience away to have a version or to cling to anything to hold on to it, to attach. Attempt to be with it and just allow it. As we move into investigating what strengthens us like our ancestor Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, for him, it was the strength of being with his brother, having that support, knowing that he didn't have to do it alone. He didn't have to carry that burden by himself. What helps strengthen you to lead you to taking up the proper amount of space, what we call anava? humility in the Musar tradition. What space is appropriate to you? Are you acting on it with courage, with ometzlev? The Book of Shemot has been very kind and dear to us from God and our ancestors to lay out a lovely practice for our spiritual curriculum, for our growth. We learn that our ancestors see. Reish alefei, the shoresh, the root of seeing. They choose to go out and see the suffering. And then they act out on that scene with wise discernment. What is needed in the here and now, which leads to a form of remembering, Zion Chafresh, the root of remembering what? That they actually have a moral imperative to act with integrity, with what some call the noble eightfold path, with the halakha, the Jewish way of walking and being in the Torah and in the tradition, that they feared God, which means they carried an internal 
moral compass that showed them what to do and when. And that knowing, that yud dalid ayin, yada, that means a knowing of God, a knowing that leads to wise speech, wise behavior, wise ways of being in the world, this righteous behavior full of integrity and moral intentions. Notice what is arising for you right now. For some of you, you may be feeling fear or overwhelmed at what is being shared. For others, there may be a sense of excitement and relief of, thank God I found my path and my community Allow the full range. There's no need to push any experience away to just note it with self-compassion, with a non-judgmental curiosity, what we call the beginner's brain. Just know that you're not your thoughts. Whatever might arise for you in this meditation, simply note it and let it pass. Do you allow yourself to see your own suffering? Do you allow yourself to begin to move from that which is unpleasant to neutral. Self-compassion is required in order to see our brethren suffering. Do you remember how to engage in self-care, what is obligated of you. Oh, you must honor this body, this soul that has been given to you. Short time, you were born and you will pass one day. What are you doing in service with this body and soul and time? Do you know God, a type of knowing that compels you to bear the burden of the other, that compels you to bring God's good to others? We now move into silent meditation to allow a non-judgmental exploration and a nurturing practice 
as we sit together in silence, taking refuge in the practice and in community and in God. I will ring the bells when we are to come out. Time to time, your thoughts will wander. That is the practice. As our teacher Joseph Goldstein says, simply begin again. Bring yourself back to your anchor, to whatever sounds you hear around you, or to your breath. As we move through more silent meditation.
Gently and slowly open your eyes when you feel ready. Allowing yourself to come back into this shared virtual world of Zoom and lives and the different mediums in which we meet. Thank you for your sitting, for your practice, for taking this time to dedicate to your growth and to be able to be of service to others by doing that self-care that's so important. Today's teaching and sitting is sponsored by Lily Violet Moon. We are blessed to have in the Kihilat Musar community who is also designing our new website that shall be up sometime being launched in the next two weeks to a month, Bezrat Hashem Gat Willy. We thank you all for your donations that support the Institute for Holiness to be able to offer this free will offering of teaching sitting each week. You're welcome to be in touch with us at kahilatmusar.com or at gmail.com to sponsor a sitting or to offer donations in any amounts. We also are an insight timer, which also has a format for offering dana or truma, as we call it in the Jewish tradition of offering a form of donations. I am so grateful and delighted that we have this medium to be together. So obviously for those of you who are just joining us, we, study the Torah portion the week before as Jews traditionally do. And um, also on the Sabbath when some of us hear it being read in synagogues, the Torah reading. So uh, we just had Shemot and Vayera and we will move into Bo, which is next. So uh, do take this week if you're able to read it over, see any commentators that you're interested in uh, learning from, or perhaps others in your communities, sitting with it, really spending some time of menucha, of rest, and letting it really get into the felt sense of the body, allowing to see where you are triggered by the text, where you have something that you feel it really touches you. Um, always asking from a place of humility, what can I learn from it? And then we come together, Bezrat Hashem, God willing, on Yom Rishon, on Sundays, to, with all that knowledge, with all that sitting, learning, and experiential um, practice, to really look at it from this lens of Musar mindfulness and to be able to sit together. So with this week, I always recommend that you keep up your Cheshbon Hanefesh journal, your accounting of the soul journal, where you look at your words, thoughts, and deeds as how you treat yourself, others, and your relationship with God. And this week, we're going to be focusing on Hakarat Hatov, on recognizing the good. And we can have as our morning mantra, as our morning affirmation, awaken to the good and give thanks. We chant that, awaken to the good and give thanks. So just spend no more than five minutes a day journaling, really looking at um, how you are in the Mida of the soul trait of gratitude. You um, are recommended to do as a Kabbalah, as a short practice of 
writing down three things that you're grateful for and that you that you're awakened to that are actually good in your life write those down daily and uh, with that i welcome everyone who has joined us including uh, i believe it's yossi if you want to come on screen um, and unmute yourself welcome um, you're welcome not to also shalom <laughs> you could unmute yourself. <laughs> shalom and thank you so much what a, what a gift to be thank here you. Thank, thank you, you. I hope you join us next week too. It's wonderful to have you. So great. I look forward. Thank you. And then thank you to all of you. Have a wonderful day and week. God bless. Shalom. 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 Shalom.